0: As we get into today's Torah study, uh, uh, this is out of Numbers 25, uh, and it's a leadership story, it's a story of boldness, it's a story of uh, standing against uh, the powers of evil, and uh, it's a great story, and it has some interesting insights, Uh, and it's on uh, the life of Pinhas the uh uh the lesser known bible hero of numbers 25 and numbers 24 last week actually was uh, where the story began and uh this week we're kind of in the middle of his story and we didn't really teach on that last week so let me set the stage and we'll get into some real interesting stuff um pinhas Pinchas, Phineas, different translations, uh, Pinhas stood against King Balak of Moab and the Gentile prophet Balaam Bilaam, uh, uh, when they came after Israel with uh, their brand of uh, an early form of anti-Semitism. And they hatched an evil plot to destroy Israel. Israel had a destiny. Israel was called by God to establish uh, a nation that the nations of the world would look at and realize this is how you do it. Israel is the original one nation under God. Right? And uh, uh, America is the only other nation in human history that's been established as one nation under God. So just like Balak and Balaam tried to destroy Israel from being that example of one nation under God. We see that's happening in America now. And for about the last 50 years, we've been in a culture war since the 60s. Uh, and, uh, um, and so uh, whenever a nation... Uh, decides to be a nation under God, enemies are going to come against it. Because all the way back to the Garden of Eden, ever since the time of Adam and Eve, there's been an adversary, an enemy, a destroyer that wants to counterfeit uh, the plans of God and attack the plans of God so that there will be no heaven on earth, as it were. And so this is what's going on uh, in the Torah study this week, or last week, uh, is that the king hired uh, Balaam, Balaam to bring a curse on Israel, but the curse kept being reversed. <laughs> and so every time he tried to curse Israel, it turned out to be a blessing. So anytime the enemy tries to bring a curse against you and destroy God's plan and destiny in your life, that curse, we declare, is being reversed. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But, you know, the devil doesn't give up. The devil doesn't fight fair. The devil always goes to the next plan. There was a plan B. Plan A didn't work, and so he hatches plan B. That's why we always have to pray without ceasing. we got to get beyond just now I lay me down to sleep type of praying. And we need the Spirit of God and the anointing of God to move and motivate us into higher levels of prayer and praise. The high praises of God. Amen. The high prayer of God. Intercessory prayer. So Balaam counsels King Balak to go into plan B, and plan B is let's uh, entice the men of Israel into immorality. And so they sent in all the Midianite daughters, all the Moab daughters, to feast and drink uh, with the Jewish men and lure them into fornication and adultery, uh, uh, adultery and idolatry. And it's just another demonic strategy. As they attacked Israel with that kind of stuff, that attack in every generation comes up. And we're looking at that attack again today. And uh, in fact, uh, most nations don't get defeated from without, from an outside military attack. Most nations in human history have been defeated from the inside out decadence and immorality take a foothold and what was considered good is all of a sudden bad and what's considered bad is all of a sudden considered good and chaos happens and everybody's sitting around wondering what happened. But God doesn't want us to be people that sit around and wonder what happened. God wants us to be people that take spiritual authority in our prayer time and uh, with our voices, with our votes to come against those that are enemies of the gospel. Amen. And that's uh, the story of Pinhas. Uh, he rose up in a time where immorality was in your face. And in his story, to make matters worse, uh, one of Israel's leaders went really insane. And he publicly began to make love with a certain Midianite woman openly. And in rebellion against God and against God's laws. And so in uh, what, you know, no one can figure this out in rabbinical teaching. Uh, Moses didn't respond. And I'm thinking, boy, that's a lot like America today. Where are the leaders responding to the madness? <laughs> a couple of them right? You know, and if you have that platform where the world will listen to you and they'll quote you, uh, you have a certain level of responsibility to say, this is madness and this is not madness. Let's get back to what's not mad and insane and bizarre and live that way and take on the enemies and the evil of the day. And, uh, Moses, Aaron, the rest of the leadership team went silent. Uh, They should have intervened. They should have stood up to stop the madness, but for whatever reason, and there's all these rabbinical reasons on why, but at the end of the day, uh, they didn't do anything. And this caused God to become very angry. And so, of all things... A plague, a pandemic broke out, and uh, uh, it was at that point uh, that Pinhas looked around and says, "There's a leadership void. No one's standing up. The uh, the appointed ones, the elected ones, are saying very little or nothing." And he took matter into his own hands. And in an act of zealous anger, he killed this couple that was making love in public to show rebellion and hatred against the laws of God. And uh, as he did that, he did that with zealous, righteous anger, and it put a stop to the sinfulness, right? And it also put a stop to the plague which had already caused the deaths of 24,000 people. And just think, if he had not done this, how many other people would have died in the plague? And so the, the demonic strategy is still being employed today against America and those of us that believe one nation under God is a good idea. It's hard to believe. People don't think that's a good idea. But we got to get over the fact that there are just people that are going to be enemies of the gospel. And they either need to repent and change or be removed from office. Let their influence be silenced in the name of Jesus. So the story has many parallels to what we're going through with coronavirus and rioting in the streets. Some have suggested that if you look closely at the timing, everything blew up in America when the peace plan between Israel and the Palestinians was announced in late January. At the end of January is a big peace plan. But what is underreported and rarely discussed, is that the peace plan that was proposed included giving away parts of Israel. You can go online and see the map. That certain areas uh, of Israel would be reclaimed, certain parts of Judea and Samaria would be reclaimed and put under Israel rule, but other parts of Israel would now become a Palestinian state. And there's something in the Bible about the covenant God made with Abraham about all of the land belongs to you. And uh, there won't be what is commonly thought of as land for peace. It's been tried. It's been tried 25, 26 different times, land for peace. And every time there's land for peace talks, it always falls through. And sometimes when plans get approved, many times immediately after the plan is proposed or implemented or trying to be implemented, great natural disasters follow the proposals. And that's what happened in January. No one ever heard of coronavirus. Right? When did we, I mean, we canceled services here in March. We finally figured, okay, well, we better, uh, just, you know, tap the brakes and see. But back in January, there was all being hidden. No one was really talking about it. And the leaders were saying, oh, it's all fine. Don't worry. You don't need this. And uh, it's not going to blah, blah, blah. And everybody kind of let their guard down. But uh, it it is interesting that it all kind of in the weeks that followed this peace plan, All of a sudden, all craziness breaks loose. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? (laughs) But now it even has gotten worse. And in in, in Israel, you know, in the story of Pinhas, it got worse. Because when the, the Midianite women were sent in, a lot of it happened in the tents. But then this leader, Zimri from Israel said, let's take it out of the closet, as it were, and let's put it out on the streets for everyone to see. And that's what's happening now. There's insanity happening on the streets and secular Marxist-trained enemies of God. Let me just say, uh, there's a great movement following the death of George Floyd, and uh, America was unified. I mean, every voice in America was saying, we've got to end racism. Our church has stood against racism since uh, before I came here in 1991. Pastors always stood against racism. He was the first church in Australia back in the uh, the late 70s and 80s to welcome Aborigines into the church. That was unheard of because the church in Australia at that point thought Aboriginals had no soul and they were ostracized. And pastor says, not on my watch. And we've always stood against racism. And for the first week or so, following all of the police brutality and the insanity that we all saw with our own eyes, America was unified. Well, the devil can't have that. Because if America becomes unified and solves its problems, and the economy is great, and people are rising out of poverty, and people are coming together of all races to love one another and support change for one another... And on and on and on. If we have that, then the devil's plans are washed away. So demonic forces rose up quickly and changed the narrative. And to this day, it switched from coming together in love and unity and peace to solve racism and to take a giant step forward in our society. We've taken a lot of steps forward, but not enough steps forward. And this was a, and we can still take that step forward, but the narrative's now changed. It's not. It's no longer about unity and solving uh, police brutality and racism. The narrative now is: let's pull down the entire culture. Let's burn America down to the ground. Let's blow up Mount Rushmore. Some have even said, let's tear down every statue of Jesus Christ. And so the chaos that was in Israel in this week's Torah study is uh, uh, being uh, repeated here in America today. And if there was ever a time to stand up spiritually... If there was ever a time to know what side you're on, okay, everyone on God's side over here. (laughs) And everyone on the enemy's side over there. And it's becoming more plain and more plain. But we need to pray for revival in America. Come on, somebody. If there ever was a time, we're in that time. We need to pray against powers and principalities. We need to declare openly that every stronghold of the enemy is pulled down. Every ungodly, immoral organization and act that's trying to change one nation under God into a secular, humanist, communist, Marxist nation, we bind and rebuke that in the name and by the blood of Jesus. And God, we pray that you arise and every enemy be scattered. Amen? Amen. So... Pinhas stood up against the immorality, the idolatry, the Antichrist spirit. And with boldness, he intervened. If he hadn't, there's no telling how many more people would have died from the plague. How come we can't get a handle on the plague today? Right? Why is this thing just going on and on and on and on and on? Well, Could it be what we've done uh, with the peace plan in Israel? Could it be we haven't, as a nation, uh, repented of our sins? Did we repent? Did the church repent of the sin of racism? Uh, Sunday morning is the most racially divided day of the week in America. And uh, churches like New Beginnings, we're trying to break that curse, right? The curse of being divided. Breaking news. There's one cross for all colors. (laughs) Breaking news. There was one man's blood shed for every race, every tribe, every nation, every people. Breaking news. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be the white side of heaven, the black side of heaven, And on and on and on. They're not going to be the Baptist side, the Catholic side. There's going to be one side. And we're all going to gather together with no social distancing before the throne of God, worshiping and praising the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings for the rest of our lives. When we've been there 10,000 years, it'll be like we just have begun. So, Pinhas, in his zealous rage, takes a spear and thrusts Zimri and Cosby. And his methods have been strongly debated by Jewish scholars for centuries. How does God allow this? What's going on here? Because, you know, we're a religion of peace and love. And we just don't fly off the handle, take matters into our own hands, and give people vigilante justice. But that's what we're seeing today, right? We're seeing a version of uh, this is your life without God. And uh if the wrong people are now pulling all the levers... It, Don't think that situation will get better. (laughs) Amen. But uh, God uh, accepted Pinhas and his actions as the right thing to do, uh, but he shows us something that's hidden in our standard Christian Bibles. If you, you can only know it if you have a rabbi, a Torah scroll, and uh, uh, the wisdom uh, uh, from the ancients. Um, God rewarded Pinhas, but um, and and he rewarded him, and it says in Numbers twenty five, "I give Pinhas my covenant of peace." And he ends up actually, he's Aaron's grandson. He actually goes on to become a high priest. But as we're going to learn, God pointed out some things that are hidden uh, in our normal, uh, regular Christian Bibles that we're going to talk about today because it has something to do with our lives. To be successful in God's kingdom, uh, we need more than charisma. We need character, right? Charisma will get you somewhere, but character will keep you there. God uh, saved me because I was a character, (laughs) a real bad character, right? All-American sinful character before Christ. Once I got saved, I needed to learn the ways of God. It didn't happen automatically, just because you pledge your allegiance to God at the altar doesn't mean anything's going to change. The potential to change is there. But how many people have been in church for, you know, months, years, decades, and they still have the same bad temper? And they would still want to, like Pinhas, where's my spear? Where's my gun? God doesn't want us settling our disputes with guns or spears. He wants us to exhibit grace and mercy and love and peace and kindness, right? Jesus had a lot to say about that. And once we get into that flow, that's when we can become a better version of ourselves. And that takes time. So, you know, uh, it's like the the bumper sticker, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. God's not finished with me yet, right? And it's one of the major lessons that God gives us uh, in today's teaching. It's a godly call to work on ourselves, right? Not every church you go to teaches you need to change. Just accept me like a Billy Joel. Love me just the way I am. I love you just the way you are. Well, God loved us while we were yet sinners. Hallelujah. But, but he also says, now that you're saved, work out your salvation. Renew your mind. Transform yourself. Change the spirit that you used to live under before Christ. Okay? So this is why uh, many of the great Jewish commentators teach that the story of Pinhas is divided from last week and then into this week. Because God wanted to make a statement. He wanted to show that all of the zealotry, all of the anger, all of the, the violent activity that Pinhas got involved with is separate from the covenant of peace. And, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's an interesting way to think about it. By dividing the story, we are learning we need to separate ourselves from anger and hate. We need to separate ourselves from always blowing a gasket. We need to separate ourselves from always losing our temper, from flying off the handle. And adopt this concept of, I'm a peacemaker. Somebody preached that on a sermon on a mount somewhere. Blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. And God gave Pinhas a covenant of peace. The reasoning goes that if the entire story had blended together with no separation, people wouldn't see there was meant to be a disconnect from being a forceful activist. We don't need to be blowing up abortion clinics. But we need to protest and register a protest against them that were against that kind of thing in our society. Baby, unborn babies' lives matter, too. Amen. <laughs> to co-opt a phrase. <laughs> so, we're meant to learn our Judeo-Christian values don't promote or condone violent extremism. And so the Torah separates the story so that we can see what our ultimate goal is. We're all a work in progress. But we need to know that we're called to walk by faith that works by love. We all know the scripture, uh, walk by faith and not by sight, but not many of us know out of the book of Galatians, walk by faith that works by love. Faith that works by love. Why? Because we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. The sinner is not our enemy, the sinner is our goal. I'm glad I wasn't viewed as an enemy before Christ. I would have maybe missed my destiny, because I wouldn't have felt welcome. But people saw me in my first church up in Seattle, not as an enemy, but as a soul that needed saving. That's our goal, right? Now, uh, some commentators teach that uh, God made the covenant of peace with Penhas as a cure for his behavior rather than a reward. (laughs) Penhas wasn't naturally a very peaceful kind of guy, so God gave him precisely what he needed. And there's still some things that I need poured into my life by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. How many need a fresh anointing of God's grace and God's love and God's peace and God's joy? Pour that into our lives today, Lord, we pray. Hallelujah. Now, one of the most amazing insights about this teaching is what the actual Hebrew text shows us. It's not understood by the Christian translators. It's not seen in our Christian Bibles. How many of you have ever heard of jots and tittles? Not one jot or tittle will pass away from the word of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means many things, but in the original Torah scrolls, and it's still this way today, if you open a Torah scroll and you know where to look, there are certain Hebrew letters in certain scriptures that are oversized. And it just jumps out at, why would, why would that be written in an enlarged size when everything else is just consistent? Suddenly you see this oversized letter. In other cases, you'll see smaller than normal letters. Sometimes there's even upside-down letters and other jots and tittles. And in Jewish wisdom, ancient wisdom, these are signs. These are hints. These are clues that God is saying, Right here, there's a deeper meaning. I want you to see this. I want you to dig deeper. How many of you don't want to go through 30, 40, 50 years of Christianity and be a mile wide but an inch deep? Right? We want to have depth and meaning, understanding and knowledge and wisdom. And for that, it takes a little extra. Amen? The difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little bit extra. And you're here this morning or maybe listening on the CD or podcast because you are going the extra mile and God's going to reward you for it. So uh, when God gave the covenant of peace to Pinhas, peace in Hebrew is shalom. Shalom on your home. This is when one of these um, strange, peculiar occurrences happens in the original Torah text. Uh, in the name or the word shalom, uh, there is one Hebrew letter, vav, in, in the word for peace, shalom, and that vav is broken. A broken letter. And so uh, without, uh, you know, you'll never see it in your Christian Bible, but that means something. Why is the shalom broken? The vibe and the shalom. Just like the story itself, the letter is split in half, and there's different opinions, and there might they might all be right. You're right, no? yeah, and you're right too. You're both right. How can we both be right? I don't know. God just, you know. And so, there's uh, many differing opinions, but what it, uh, uh, one of the common things is it seems to suggest that what Pinhas had done to stop the disturbing behavior was less than perfect. It was less than perfect. Shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. God's perfect peace. But in this case, uh, Penn, I'm glad you took initiative. I'm glad you stood up when no one else would. But it wasn't really the way that I would have scripted it. And so for all of the people to follow you through all the generations, I'm going to leave a sign that it, it, it I have a covenant of peace, but that peace was imperfect. It's telling us that, The peace that we achieve by destroying one's enemy or rival is inevitably flawed and broken and incomplete. If I get into a fight with Lydia and I start to yell and scream and threaten and go berserk, I might have won that battle, (laughs) but I lost the war. (laughs) Keep your peace, Scott right? Nothing's that bad. And so as a boss, a parent, in any type of role, no matter who you are, we may win some battles by insulting and criticizing and threatening and yelling and even taking on physical violence. But in reality, God is saying, "It's, it's imperfect. You're not winning, you're losing. Even if you think you won, you really lost. And so this broken vav in shalom shows us that God doesn't want us representing Him by solving our conflicts and disagreements with quarreling and arguing and anger and violence and physical confrontation. Overall, our goal is to be a peacemaker, pursue peace. Peace. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding rule and reign and guard our lives and our hearts. Amen. Now, there's more, there's even an extra teaching to underscore this idea. Because in the same verse, there's another peculiarity, and it doesn't happen very often throughout all the books of the Bible. But in the name of Pinhas itself, the original Hebrew, uh, in the original Hebrew, his name is written with a smaller than usual yod you've heard that expression by pastor that the yod that little apostrophe that little comma in in pinhas's name is smaller than the normal yod now think back when pastor larry would be teaching and he'd say what does the yod represent did anybody remember it represents the presence of god right and so since the yod is smaller God is showing us that his presence is diminished in Pinhas' life because of his fierce and forceful style. There's nothing wrong with being fierce and forceful in prayer, pulling down strongholds. But when you get into the office, you know, the last thing you want to do is start a fist fight with somebody who believes in Marxism. You might want to, oh, I could. Get, uh, it, it's, uh, Ralph Crandom, S- send them to the moon, Alice. <laughs> but it's an important lesson. Each and every Christian has to be aware of their personality traits. And we have to become aware more and more as time goes on how we're coming across to one another. We all have our bad days and there's always repentance. How many times must I forgive that man, Jesus? Seven times 70. Right? So forgiveness is always there, uh, especially if you're uh, resolved to keep on trying to improve and change. Amen? This is why, as a believer, uh, it's so important that we look in the mirror. Why are you spending so much time trying to get the speck out of someone else's eye when you got a big pile of logs in your own? <laughs> Look in the mirror and recognize certain attitudes and pray, God, help me to change that thing. That's not, that's not how I want to represent you. My attitudes, my behavior, my conduct, my style, is it becoming more Christ-like, less Christ-like, or have I just kind of been in neutral for a couple years? The Lord is showing us not to spend so much time looking at someone else, husbands and wives, stop looking at each other's list. What list you say? Oh, the list we keep on what's wrong with my spouse? <laughs> yeah, a whole shopping list, a whole laundry list of oh, if only you would change these things, honey, my life would be better. <laughs> and and that's where marriage problems could be solved just at the snap of a finger. If you stop working on her list or his list and start working on your own life will improve. Amen? So, you know, if we've been Christians for more than a year or two, we should be changing. We should be maturing. We should be growing. If we're always... Living in resentment and with bitterness and frustration and revenge on our minds. It's going to spill over into our relationships. It's going to ruin our testimony. And it's going to stop us from experiencing the full blessing of God. Amen. Amen. So, that's why we say uh, that charisma will get you to the top. For Pinhas, he had a lot of charisma, but he still had to work on his character. There were things broken in his personality that God wanted to fix, and he did fix because Pinhas eventually became high priest. Amen. And so, this whole Torah teaching this week was named after Pinhas. But in the same study, God decides that the leader best suited for leading Israel after Moses wasn't Pinhas. It was Joshua. And Joshua, in the same Torah study, is promoted. He's selected. He's called, appointed, and anointed to take over Moses' role as leader of Israel. Joshua wasn't a headline maker. Like Pinhas. He wasn't as loud and flashy and flamboyant as Pinhas, but he was faithful. And he faithfully, behind the scenes, kept learning, kept being equipped and trained by Moses. He kept coming under that authority, listening, learning, and applying the truths of God. And God saw this. He saw Joshua's loyalty, his devotion, his dependability, and this earned him a promotion. Come on. And so, may you and I, be on the verge of a promotion. Because heaven sees the work that no one else sees. I don't see what you're doing. We're all been shut in and locked up for three months, by and large. But I'm sure you've been praying. I'm sure you've been worshiping. I'm sure you've been seeking and pursuing God and pursuing peace. And God's going to see that. And your promotion is just around the corner. Amen. 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 Well, in the last couple moments, let me just refer to one of many. There's many uh, personality, um, um, what would you call them? Uh, Personality profiles that help you to get a glimpse into how God has hardwired you. And uh, uh, I uh, put together this one from. a, uh, a profile called LEAD. And L-E-A-D, LEAD, points out four different personality types. The leader, the expressor, the analyst, and the dependable. And uh, in most of the personality profiles, there's always four personality types. Many of us have heard of the type A personality. Well, there's a type B, C, and D personality, and uh, there's all kinds of information that you can review, and what kind of personality is a type A, who's a leader, type B, who's an expressor, type C, the analyst, or type D, the dependable. And uh, so in this handout... It kind of gives an overview of the kind of person that uh, has these different personality types. Take the type A leader, forceful, direct, dominant, egocentric, confident. And the expressor, impulsive, outspoken, optimistic, gregarious, emotional. The analyst, diplomatic, tactful, thorough, careful, systematic. Dependable, patient, steady, predictable, calm, and loyal. And so as you get to know yourself and how God has wired you, it can really help you counter-manage things in your life that may be in there in the natural that God wants to supernaturally change. And for that to happen, you have to know you got it. And you have to know, I don't want it. And so in this uh, little chart here, there are soft spots. And the soft spots, for instance, in a leader, the type A, impulsive, runs over people, lacks caution, and bores easily, and their greatest fear is being taken advantage of. And then it goes on and describes soft spots for all the different uh, uh, personality types. And see, now everyone may have a blend of personality types, and you may recognize things about you that aren't in your main personality type. I kind of have a, uh, uh, a leader-analyst kind of personality type. So uh, I can look at the soft spots and remind myself, look, in my worst moments... I'm probably doing something that the soft spots are talking about and I need to counter manage that. And God was saying that to Pinhas, Pinhas, there, you have a covenant of peace. You and I as believers have a covenant with God, but there may be certain things in our personality and approach to life that are still broken and need to come together. And that's what this is all about, helping to look at some things and decide with the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, Lord, what things in my life do you need me to change? How can I improve and become better so my life, my family, my relationships, my uh, work environment, my career, all of that won't be hindered, but I'll solve some things, repent of some things, mature in some things, and change in some things things so that I can be promoted. I like that. Who wants to be promoted? I see those hands. (laughs) Amen. Well, here's one way to do it. Father, we release your anointing to change and mature. We release your wisdom and counsel of the Holy Ghost to teach us and guide us and show us some things about our lives, our relationships, that if we just make some little changes, you'll come in and repair some things and reconcile some things and restore some things for our benefit, for the benefit of our loved ones, and the benefit of our life and destiny and future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.